Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, the podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Black Friday. Ha- happy Black Friday. <laughs> yes. um, we're recording this much before Thanksgiving, but it will be coming out on Black Friday. So happy Black Friday. <laughs> Thank you. Happy Black Friday to you too as well. I hope you get all the uh, the good blockbuster deals that, you know, <laughs> were a bigger deal 10 years ago. And I don't think anyone really cares about Black Friday now, but I hope everybody gets those deals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Um, so we have been on a bit of a hiatus because apparently law school's hard. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> We we've learned that this year, your your <laughs> final year of law school, that in fact law school makes it very difficult to schedule anything around. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, so our our apologies for kind of being more absent this year than we have been, but hopefully things will get back on track relatively soon, and we'll have a consistent uh, schedule for everybody who's missing their their weekly mash mouth. <laughs> yes, uh, we know that you guys are just dying to hear the next episode of Mash Mouth. It is Some a necessity <laughs> for most people. Anyway. I hope so anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about today's episode. So yes. in this episode, oh man, I'm going to have to say this, huh? Oh, I said it last week. You're going to have to say it this week. Let's do it. <laughs> in this episode, Quo Vetus, Captain Chandler, a traumatized soldier comes to the 4077 claiming to be Jesus Christ. After Margaret and Frank decide to get none other than Colonel Flagg involved, Hawkeye calls on Sidney Friedman to inject some sanity back into the situation. Ethan, what did you think about this episode? Well, first of all, this episode is quite the star-studded affair. We got everybody. We got all the major uh, guest stars that you and I care about in one room. And uh, it was quite the time, like literally in my notes, because I, I did not know this episode going in. I all caps uh, exclamation points for like Sydney Freeman, Colonel Flag. Like I was so happy to have <laughs> all these guys uh, in one room. And they mention that Colonel Flag was previously uh, played poker with Sydney Freeman. And I was like, ooh, that's a little bit of a. That's a continuity nod and a little bit of a restructure. We will get to this. This is this is something that I can't wait to talk to you about. Yes. Um, but this episode was, in fact, so star-studded. <laughs> I loved this grand meeting of the minds of like a sane mind and an insane mind yes. with Colonel Flagg and Sidney Friedman. Oh, so, so good. I have so much to talk about with this episode. So buckle in, everybody. Fitting of the semi-religious theme of this episode, Sidney Freeman was very much the angel of the episode, and Colonel Flagg was the devil of the episode. It was a very absolutely. fun dynamic. Yes, absolutely. It was really interesting to see these two together because they are so different. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a lot of fun. So why don't we get into the episode a little bit more? Yes, Absolutely. So this starts mostly like every other episode of MASH where they are getting incoming casualties and whatnot. And then Radar finds this one captain who apparently thinks that he is Jesus Christ. So yes. and that's that's the whole episode, everybody. That's it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh this is an interesting concept for an episode, especially in uh kind of the mid seventies. I know that culture was changing around that time in terms of, like, religious media. But I imagine that they had to play this so, so carefully mm-hmm. as to not get, like, banned off of television. I think it's another reason why, and we'll talk about this more, but this episode is laugh track free, and I think that's a big part of it, is that they were like, all right, we're going to handle a bit of a sensitive topic of somebody thinking that they're Jesus and we're going to not really play it like a wacky comedy. We're not like going to mm-hmm. try to uh, make too many jokes. It's not like he goes to like the mess hall and like gets wine and stuff. It's a guy in bed just saying like, hi, I am Jesus. I am the, the savior. And like other people try to figure that out around him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um. In the next scene in the OR, uh, Hawkeye kind of previews the 
main topic of the episode that surrounds this Jesus Christ aspect of it, of really here we're discussing soldiers and mental health issues. And I think that that's probably also a pretty big part of why they didn't use a laugh track in this episode because of the religious aspect. And then also because of the seriousness of the topic surrounding Mm -hmm. even the religious aspect. So yeah, I think that that probably contributed to why, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Hawkeye's just dialogue here because I really enjoyed it. I didn't catch it on my first watch of the of the episode, but he really was kind of setting up the discussion for mental health along with his dialogue just being so Hawkeye. I don't know. I it, it was very charming to hear this dialogue and then also have it be the setup of the episode. Um what remind me, what does he say exactly? He just kind of is talking about how like Frank Frank says that he is insane or crazy because he's kind of just going off and then he says well of course I'm I'm sitting here and I'm patching up wounded people to have them go off and be wounded again and he just he starts making a lot of like quippy lines and you know flirting with the nurse that he's working with and it just it just felt very in realm for Hawkeye to be yeah. doing all of this stuff. So I-, I enjoyed that scene in particular. Yeah, this, uh, now that you more so go into it, I, I do remember this. Um, this is very classic Hawkeye kind of being absolutely burnt out with like the war culture in general and kind of making light of it. Um, and he says like, oh, not everybody gets to patch you up their their Lord and Savior. I mm-hmm. think it's the joke that he makes that like offends Frank, you know, that like sends Frank on his little uh little tirade that he goes on. <laughs> um and again, I think they like handle it well cuz you're right. This episode even though I described it more as like a religious kind of treading on that ground, it is about like the mental health of people and how like some people just absolutely like burn out and like cannot handle these circumstances for a long period of time and that way it's kind of i mean a lot of episodes of mash are dramedy episodes where they do like comedy drama uh kind of mixed together but this episode is kind of just a half hour drama there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of jokes there's it's a very like clean uh you could see this storyline being played out in like a straight up hour-long drama episode and have it be a little bit more room to breathe but they kind of put it in the skin of this like half hour sitcom episode yeah this is definitely more on the drama end with the humor being more uh like quick almost and witty instead of funny if that makes sense um instead of like big and broad it's more the characters making jokes around the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Which sounds, you know, like a sitcom, but it is very much um, like the comedy does take a back seat in this episode. Again, I do think it is because of the really sensitive topic that they wanted to discuss in this episode. So after this OR scene, Hawkeye and BJ go and check on this patient who is claiming before surgery that he was Jesus Christ and I thought that it was really good acting from everybody involved here. Mm-hmm. The actor who was playing, who we will come to know as Captain Chandler, who yes. is claiming to be Jesus Christ, uh, he he played it very straight, very calm. And then Hawkeye and BJ both looked really uncomfortable with the situation. And it just, it worked really well because mm-hmm. they obviously knew something was going on here that didn't, wasn't right with this soldier and they had Father Mulcahy come in to kind of take over. And before that, they just both looked like, oh, boy, how do we handle this? Yeah, um, I really liked uh, Hawkeye and BJ's kind of role in this episode because uh, Frank kind of suggests the alternate version of this episode that's more kind of goofy and sitcom-y, where Frank is worried about, like, oh, are Hawkeye and BJ going to enable this guy and, like, make him go out into the camp and do, like, these sacrilegious things? And they are kind of just in full doctor mode of, like, they're still kind of keeping it light, but they're also like, hey, buddy, if you're really bucking to get out of the army, there are, like, better methods to, to do it than 
pretend to be our Lord and Savior. Um, I, I think I think they handle it very well. Um, and bringing in Father Mulcahy, I thought was great. I I really like that that he's not like offended by this guy. That he's mm-hmm. kind of more willing to to play in the space of it. Um, I like that. Like later on in the episode, they they do just legitimately like talk shop with each other. Is how it's described yeah. of like talking about like. Judas and everything. I thought that was very fun. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that Father Mulcahy was kind of just like legitimately debating these people in the Bible with mm-hmm. uh with Captain Chandler. So that was that was cute and really interesting and I liked that Father Mulcahy was the one to kind of deal with this because he was equipped to deal with it on the religious side, right? Um and yeah. then of course having Sydney Sydney come in and deal with it on like the more psychiatric side. Um, but speaking of Frank, like you said, uh, <laughs> uh, Frank and Margaret do not like that this <laughs> poor soldier is no. calling himself Jesus Christ. They apparently cannot see that he is in a mental health crisis. So <laughs> I thought this scene with Colonel Potter, Frank, and Margaret was really interesting because. Mm-hmm. It it really kind of showed that interpersonal dynamics between the three of them. They were very much like, we don't need Hawkeye and BJ getting involved and kind of using this as a way to be insane in the camp and whatnot. And Colonel Potter was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So you guys need to get out of my office, basically. <laughs> I loved this scene so much. This is one of my favorite scenes in the episode and maybe the season so far. Because Colonel Potter, I think, is just so well established at this point of being being their CO and being a different commander than like Henry was that he very much does not like uh, Frank and Margaret like at all. He just doesn't put up with them in the way that like Henry would because Henry was just constantly exhausted. He He's like more willing to play by like the military book of things, but still he's able to see when things are just like a grudge playing out. Um, I thought his whole thing of being like, oh, those two creeps, those two, those two <laughs> like just low lives. I thought that was great. I love that, that he was like, I do not like you, but I'm a professional. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep that to myself until I leave in 17 months or something he said. Yes, yes. And speaking of that too, that was really interesting to me because I think that that really informs the way that Colonel Potter handles things like this, like things like Captain Chandler and also Frank and Margaret because he's basically counting down the days of retirement. And he said that in the very first episode that he was in, he was like, mm-hmm. "Listen, I'm just I'm just here until I retire." So, I feel like that was it was realistic for the character because he was probably in his last war. He's counting down for retirement. We know that he can't wait to get back to his wife and stuff like that. So he is not going to really be entertaining that kind of bullshit, basically, from Frank and <laughs> Margaret. And also he knows he's more seasoned and he knows he knows when someone is kind of putting that front on like Frank and Margaret are. Versus Henry, who kind of was out of his depths with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that all felt very organic and like realistic, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, this episode does great with the character dynamics, like you said. I think everyone played like the perfect role in this episode. They all played off each other very well, and like plot wise, they all fit in very like nicely to like the mechanical machine of this this storyline. Um, that like nobody was like wasted or like used inappropriately. Everybody like it. It was just very well written. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like everybody had a had a place in it, and I really liked this version of Frank and Margaret, who are kind of like religiously offended and don't really know how to you know navigate that from like the proper outlets. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they showcased this kind of religious hypocrisy and just hypocrisy in general from Frank and Margaret, where Frank is acting like so personally offended. Frank and Margaret are acting so personally offended that this guy is claiming to be Jesus Christ without 
really giving it more thought as medical professionals. They're really not thinking like, oh, yeah, yeah, he is he's obviously going through a mental health crisis. And then also Frank being so offended that a mere captain would say that he's Jesus Christ. But I feel like that also showcased, like you said, they did a really good job with the characters because it showcased um, beautifully how Father Mulcahy, someone who is a religious clergyman, could take this person and just see them for who they are and and really like meet them where they are yeah and father mulcahy would have more of a right to really be offended because this is his line of work um and then frank who is like basically misquoting the bible and stuff in that scene to colonel potter it's it just did a really good job i feel the writers did a really good job of kind of juxtaposing those two and showcasing the characters for who they are even in minor ways like that yeah even colonel potter saying like well if he does believe he's jesus christ that just means he could be a better christian mm-hmm. like they're the, you know it's obviously a complicated situation but them being so offended is just kind of like showboating like come, like come on guys you don't need to be like presenting this strongly when it's not really that big a deal in this circumstance it is a big deal but not in the way that they're making it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and i like that um you know they have no outlet so their outlet is we're gonna call in colonel flag we're gonna call in the big guns the devil on the shoulder and um again in my notes just big Colonel Flag, because it was like a surprise, you know? This was not presented as a Colonel Flag episode. <laughs> yeah, I was actually so surprised because I remembered this episode, but I did not remember Colonel Flag being in this episode. I didn't remember. I knew that Sydney was in this episode, but I didn't remember Colonel Flag showing up. Um, so I thought that that was really <laughs> funny. But one thing that really struck me about them calling in Colonel Flag too, is that this is this is kind of the first time that Frank and Margaret went over Colonel Potter's head because we know that they would go over Henry's head all the time. But them calling in Colonel Flagg was the first time that they really were like, okay, Colonel Potter's not doing what we want him to do. So we're going to call in the big guns. And well, we know that this episode, you know, turns out how it turns out. So it didn't really work in their favor necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, so spoiler alert, this is kind of the last time that they really go over Colonel Potter's head like this. Oh, really? And I think, yeah, and I think that in universe it makes sense because it didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. And not that it would always turn out the way that they wanted it to with Henry as well, but it really didn't have the same effect. So in the 4077 universe, I think that this makes sense that they are just like, okay... So we can't, we have to really listen to Colonel Potter, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. But you're right. This is like the first time they've gone over his head. And I think why they don't do it again, uh, apparently, uh, I I don't know, um, is because, you know, with Henry, they had the built-in excuse of him being like a civilian guy in way over his head. And so like they could justify going over his head is like, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's not doing his job correctly. We know what we're doing. We'll we'll set things straight. But Colonel Potter is literally a career military man who's such an authority um, that they, they do not have, like, the built-in excuse of, like, well, this isn't working out for us, so we can just do whatever we want. Like, no, there there is, like, an adult in the room now. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it felt like with them calling Colonel Flag in that they were kind of like kids testing the waters, seeing what boundaries they right. could push. <laughs> and they really were not pushing this boundary here. Like, Colonel Potter was not about to change his mind just because Colonel Flag came in. Mm-hmm. So when Colonel Flag meets Colonel Potter and BJ for the first time, I thought that this initial scene was really good. Um, and I loved the continuity of it as well because. There's not really an explanation of Colonel Flagg being mm-hmm. the crazy guy that we know that he is uh, because Hawkeye makes like one one reference of him 
like, oh, I hope you don't take hostages or something like that. And that's kind of it. Like, we don't get a lot of references to what Colonel Flagg has done in the past. And I love that it's on the audience members who know Colonel Flagg to just know his antics and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I I really like that. Now, I really like Colonel Flagg in this episode. This is one of my favorite Colonel Flagg appearances uh, because he's not, like, insane. I feel like in other episodes, he's just such, like, a, a extreme character that it's, like, hard to take him seriously. But in this one, obviously, he is playing, like, very much the antagonist. But there is more of, like, a realism to him where it's like, yeah, he's like a real kind of CIA guy. He's just like, I want this guy back in in uh, the fighter jet to like blow people up. That's like all I want. He wasn't like absolutely off the wall. Um, and I I like those multifaceted. Again, everybody's kind of perfectly in their place. Um, because mm-hmm. I think what balances him out is that he has to contend with very level-headed Sidney Freeman very shortly after his arrival. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, like, I know that Colonel Flagg is a very polarizing figure in the MASH community. And I think that this kind of indicates why, because he's, he, in previous episodes, he was, like, kind of insane. <laughs> like, he did he's all of that. off his rocker, dude. Yeah, exactly. He, he did crazy stuff, and it, it really allowed for a comedic relief. But in this episode, he was very much, like, by the book and Mm -hmm. there was not too much comedy coming from him like you said you were able to take him more seriously and he was definitely more of the antagonist in in a more traditional sense um Mm -hmm. so i definitely was i was definitely getting the vibe of why people hate colonel flag episodes (laughs) (laughs) but this scene is really important too because it's not only introducing colonel flag to colonel potter and bj but it is also kind of giving context for why uh, Captain Chandler is claiming to be Jesus Christ or why he thinks he is Jesus Christ, because it comes about that he's flown over 57 missions um, for the army and that he was very successful. So very successful, of course, means that he was successful in killing people. And that Mm -hmm. has very obviously kind of gotten to him um, in a very real way. So that was super important. And then of course, that is when we get the next aspect of the plot where Hawkeye suggests that Captain Chandler be evaluated by a competent psychiatrist because none of them are mental health professionals. Um, so that's when enter Sydney. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought the the mental health kind of fatigue discussion before uh, Sydney was brought in was really interesting for like the show to bring up that like, Again, they weren't doing, like, a goofy thing. They they were taking this seriously of, like, really examining why someone would have a mental break in the way to claim to be Jesus Christ. And, like, the way they do it, I like, I really understood it Um, in terms of this episode. We, we say this a few times that, like, when they're producing the show, they would go out and, like, find research materials of, like, people's actual experiences in... Uh, the army and everything and kind of use that as the basis for different episodes and this one really felt like it it was taken straight from someone's like actual experiences of like someone came in they claimed to be Jesus and we tried to sort that out Um, like I'm surprised this wasn't a story in like the MASH novel they do like make some reference to like pretending to be Jesus, but not on like this level, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the whole episode in general was just really great commentary about the issue of mental health and soldiers coming back from war, because at the time that this episode would have come out, people would have kind of, they would have been dealing with it before now, obviously. But I I think that after the Vietnam War, people were just kind of starting to reckon with the mental health effects on soldiers and i don't want to i don't want to speak a historically because obviously i don't yeah. know for sure um but it it really feels like at this time that the show came out people were really just starting to 
understand the consequences of what happens to a person's psyche and just their psychological Mm -hmm. mental health after experiencing what people like Captain Chandler would have experienced. And you're right that it does feel like this could have absolutely been someone's real experience because at the end of the day, it was a lot of people's experiences. And I thought that 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 the writers just really did such a beautiful job in encompassing that whole thing. Yeah, um, you're right. This is very much kind of in the wake of Vietnam War that they're taking it like more uh, seriously, kind of trying to examine these different things. And they they have done storylines like this in the past in the show. But I think this is like my favorite of them so far. Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely. This one just has like, I don't want to say that like this premise is fun, you know, but it has like a more memorable premise of like, ooh, this is very unique. This is very uh, mash-y, you know, Mm -hmm. and then bringing in Sidney Freeman to kind of duel with Colonel Flagg. I thought was so fun and brought <laughs> such like a good dynamic to this episode that like I missed and I needed. Um, what what do you think of Sydney in this episode? Because I know Sydney's one of your favorites. You're right. Sydney is one of my favorites, and honestly, I loved the interactions between Sydney and Colonel Flag. It honestly made me want a mash spinoff of just following Sydney <laughs> as the main character because oh, I man. feel. I feel like he would be such an interesting character to have his own dedicated show to. And because mental health was such a such a taboo topic until very recently, I feel like that would have been so interesting to mm-hmm. have, you know? Um, so he, all of his interactions with Flag made me want more of Sydney. Oh, I would watch a Sydney show just so quickly i would watch sydney on the couch every week that would be (laughs) incredible like him kind of diagnosing people and like working through their problems but kind of not overplaying it like they do uh you you've given me a (laughs) gift of something i can never have because this show doesn't (laughs) exist You know, if they ever did any kind of MASH reboot at all, that's what I would want, you know? that <laughs> That is the... I wouldn't want some kind of remake of the show because you can't really remake the show, but I feel like if we're ever going to make a modern-ish MASH, it would have to be something like that. So I, I don't know. That would be so cool to me. I just realized that what we're talking about is Frasier uh, to No, a but here's the thing. It's not Frasier. It's not. It's so different than Frasier. <laughs> and I was going to say, this is not Frasier. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I do see where you're coming from. I get it. Okay, okay. But Back on the topic of these uh, these interactions between Flag and Sydney, it was um, like you said there was there was this continuity of them kind of uh, talking about playing poker together once, and yeah. <laughs> and I thought that that was so funny because that was in Deal Me Out, and that was when Edward Winter, who plays Colonel Flag, was playing a different character with Sydney. So mm-hmm. it, they kind of like retconned it themselves to be like, ah, see, yes, this was actually Colonel Flag in disguise. And in that episode, if you go back to our, our podcast discussion of it, you talk about this as yes. like, you see, this is a character who's playing a different character who's playing a different <laughs> character. And I had no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were going insane. But now I'm like, it all makes sense. I see the... I see the forest for the trees. It all clears. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I remember you just sitting there in complete silence. Like, okay, you've lost it. You're confusing the shit out of me. And, and here we are. It all makes sense now. Doesn't it, Ethan? I see with perfect clarity. (laughs) Amazing. So again, these conversations um, where flag is essentially threatening Sydney because he wants uh he wants a certain outcome out of this right flag does mm-hmm. and he is essentially threatening sydney with uh like disloyalty and uh, marking him as a communist and all of this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and i thought that it was really subtle but it was it was definitely there and i don't think that i was i don't think that's this was me just reading into it either um when 
Flag said, oh, Friedman with two E's, kind of indicating that Sydney is Jewish without explicitly saying so. And Alan Arbus yeah. is Jewish. And I don't think that they made that explicitly clear in previous episodes. Now, I could definitely be wrong, but I thought it was this really interesting uh, commentary in there from the writers because so many uh, Jewish immigrants changed their names to make their surnames less Jewish sounding and looking. Um, and also during this time in the Red Scare, a lot of Jewish people were like marked as communists or had communist sympathies and, and yeah. whatnot. So I thought that this was this threatening of Sydney was really, really well done and really interesting in a really nuanced type of way. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it was kind of thrown in there you know like the the sydney or the freeman comment mm -hmm. um that like if you're not paying attention you could miss it um but there definitely is like an undertone to that and i i thought the other like political jabs that he made at at sydney was really funny like him trying to list all these like extremist organizations that he's in and it's just that he's like a registered democrat like it did not go like <laughs> too far you know i thought that was very funny yeah and that he was like a pro peace uh sympathizer like stuff like yeah. that like so crazy um yeah i think that that was really really interesting and like like you said you could really overlook it if you weren't looking for it you could easily miss it but i thought that it was it was definitely there, and I thought mm -hmm. that that was that was something that I really appreciated that the writers included in this episode. Yeah. And we should also note that like a lot of the writers and producers in the show are Jewish, though they are speaking from like some level of experience, like Larry <laughs> Gelbart's Jewish and all that. Um, so you know, there there was some degree of like experience there. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. So after after Colonel Flagg essentially threatens Sydney into clearing Captain Chandler to go back into war, um, Sydney actually does his job and psychoanalyzes Captain Chandler. And mm -hmm. I thought that this was a very just a, a very good scene, um, very powerful and really good acting from everybody involved. Yes, I uh, I kind of wish this was longer. I wish there was a bit more of this, like Sydney Freeman. Not versus, but like Sidney Freeman kind of working with this guy. Um, I I really like this. I like the the serious tone of this episode. I think really worked very well here. Again, it felt more like an hour drama that just like shrunk down into half hour comedy time slot. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's performance is really like well done, and I I think there was like a good level of like ambiguity here where you're like. I don't know if this guy truly believes that he is who he says he is or if like, you know, there's there's some sort of con going on. But they, they play it so well that you can buy either way, depending on like what you're you're looking for in uh, both performances. Like, is Sidney being like sympathetic to him or does he genuinely believe like this guy had like a mental break? Yeah. And I think that that is really attributable to the writers um because they they really kind of towed the line between like okay is, like what what is what is happening here and i thought that the the one line that captain chandler had when he was talking to sydney um he said i don't know who captain chandler is but i hope you can help him and i really felt like the writers did such a good job with that because it was kind of captain chandler reaching out for help in his kind of sane Very, portion of his yeah. brain yeah, so it it was it was just really really well done and I think that then it's kind of confirmed that Sydney is he knows that this guy has had a a mental health episode in the next scene because he says like yeah, he could be Captain Chandler again, but he's never going to be the soldier that he was again because he had this complete mental break. No, what I really liked in this next scene is Sydney's kind of explanation of what happened to this guy, the like, yes, he probably could be fixed, he could be sent out, but the reason why he's, uh, why he's assumed the identity of Jesus is that he went through enough, like, emotional turmoil from the, the violence that he inflicted that he's like, all right, no, I am, 
I'm done. I am the opposite of violence. I am, in fact, Jesus. I I really liked Sydney's explanation. And again, it was very well written, very well performed. You can, like, absolutely take this 100% seriously. Um, I I thought it was great. I thought it was, like, the best thing in the episode, honestly. Like, his his explanation just was really good. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, I think that I think that this commentary is so good because it's reminding the audience that just because the war is over, like for the audience it was the war in Vietnam was the most recent one, but just because the war is over for, you know, in terms of political things like ceasefire and people aren't sending troops over anymore and all of that stuff just because it's over in that sense does not mean that it's over for the people who actually had to experience it. And I really thought that it, it was just really well done in this yeah. episode. And it's I, a good one. And I really liked how Flag stood for this really like old school mentality of just like, oh, brush yourself off and just deal with it. And that's what men do. And this and that and mm-hmm. the other thing. And then uh, Sydney and BJ and Hawkeye and Colonel Potter were also saying the more nuanced school of thought and what we now know to be the case today that no people need to take care of their mental health and yes. just because someone is physically okay doesn't mean that they're mentally okay. So yes. I really I really liked having those two juxtaposing things just on screen in your face. Yeah, I think what this episode has to say about mental health is like kind of in step with what we're trying to say now, because I I still see, uh, you know, current day, there being a lot of discussion about like men being allowed to feel their feelings and not just be like, oh, brush it off. We're fine. Obviously, in a less like extreme context of war. But it is funny that this show in 1975 or so is basically saying the same lesson that everyone's still trying to teach and that like things haven't really changed too much in regards to specifically men taking care of themselves like mentally and physically a lot of men are taught that they're fine and this episode's kind of about that uh push and pull you know yeah absolutely and i think that that is of course like we always say that's what makes mash so watchable now is that we're we're having a lot of the same discussions and we've come really far in certain ways and we're still working on it in other ways Mm -hmm. i also liked how this whole scene resolved too because colonel flag just was doing his colonel flag thing you know he he was really he really brought out the rest of his crazy personality in this last scene i think if you were looking for it because um, he basically accused Sydney of being a communist and then said, oh, no, you're faking being a communist so you can get out of the army. Well, <laughs> you know what? I'm not letting you do that. So you're going to have to stay in the army and we're going to we're going to we're definitely going to be watching you. And I feel like that was a that that was a, an easy way to wrap it up. But it was also realistic for. Yeah. Who, colonel flag is you know (laughs) yeah because he did like the the double talk like four levels of logic to himself (laughs) like having this like 5d chess argument that makes no sense at all (laughs) um completely on his own like 1v1 merit and it was so funny that he was like well if i discharge you from the army we're gonna keep this guy on so i'm gonna keep i'm gonna discharge him but keep you because i figured out your trap Ha ha! I figured out the <laughs> game. Um, it was it was very ridiculous, and you're right. This was kind of the the insanity of Colonel Flag, like peeking out of more restrained Colonel Flag of like trying to be an actual <laughs> like man with a job. Yeah, and I thought that that was just that that was just a beautiful way to wrap up this last scene here. Um, and then we transition into. The final portion of the episode where uh, Captain Chandler is being transferred or I, I it wasn't exactly clear to me, but I think, I think he he's was discharged. Yeah, I, I wasn't exactly sure, but he is definitely leaving and you're left with the idea that he is going to get the help that he needed. And what I really liked about this final wrap up of the episode was that 
it didn't end with Captain Chandler kind of getting better or mm-hmm. like snapping out of it or realizing that he wasn't Jesus Christ because again I was I think that it was indicating to the audience that what people go through in war and the mental toll that it takes it takes recovery is a long road and it's not going to just mm-hmm. be someone's not going to just be better at the snap of a finger or at the end of a sitcom episode. So I liked that we were kind of left with this ambiguous, open-ended type of ending where it was like, okay, he's off to get the help he needs. Hopefully he is able to get better. And I, I really enjoyed that. But homie, we end on a different note. Yes, there's the mental health uh, ambiguity of it, but we actually end on a very sweet note with Radar and Captain Chandler, because Radar for the entire episode is kind of playing into the idea that he is Jesus. Like, he kind of believes it to a degree. Like, he wants to play it safe, basically. So, Radar gives Captain Chandler his teddy bear to bless, and in this moment, I believe this is the first time that we learn Radar's actual given name of Walter. You know, I that is insane to me, because I... I could have sworn we have heard Radar's real name prior to this episode, but I now that I'm think thinking of it, yeah, now that I'm thinking of it, I don't know for sure. So I am turning this over to the MASH fan base. Please let us know. Please yes. let us know if this is the first time Radar's name was revealed, because I need to know. I'm ready to go back and rewatch the first three and a half seasons of this show to figure it out. <laughs> yes, uh, for more context for people listening, we had basically a 15-minute whole discussion whether or not this <laughs> is the reveal of his name prior to recording this episode. So we actually do need someone to settle this debate for us. The wiki says it's true, but like, can we trust the wiki? We need like concrete proof, and we hope someone uh, out there in the mash first can assist us with answers. Yeah, because uh, this is going to bother me as a lifelong MASH fan. I really need to know. I don't think it's brought up because even his like high school friend called him Radar in that one episode. But I feel like, I, I don't know. I <laughs> This is going to bother me for, uh, this is going to bother me until we get a concrete answer. So I guess we're going to have to listen to the rest of... <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. I literally, I'm so beside myself. I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, no, MASH historian, MASH matters. Help us out here. Send <laughs> us messages. Talk to us. We'll we'll figure this out. We really need to get to the bottom of this because it's it's going to drive me crazy. But yes, that is where the episode ends. And it was, uh, it was definitely a good one. Yeah, very sweet ending. I really liked this ending. And the, the kind of, pre-credit scene i think it's called a tag is the technical term with uh clinger coming out dressed as moses i thought (laughs) was a perfect like actual capper for this episode Mm -hmm. because it brought back that levity and showed like the worst version of this episode with like a guy running around pretending to be religious and uh you know sometimes you need that little bit of levity uh as we end this uh this episode (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a really good tension breaker. I really, uh, you can always count on Klinger to bring the comedy. Always. That man is one of my favorite comedy icons at this point. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Okay, so Ethan, did you have any favorite lines from this episode? It wasn't super line heavy because, of course, it was more serious. But um, did you have any? One of my favorite lines from this episode was Sidney Freeman saying to Colonel Flagg, Flagg, you're an incredible example of walking fertilizer. <laughs> Truly I, one of the great insults. It's so great to hear Sydney basically call him a piece of shit, but in network television <laughs> in terms. network television. So good. So good. One of my favorite lines, truly my favorite line of the episode probably, comedy-wise, was when Hawkeye said, none of us here, least of all, not this khaki Godzilla qualifies on emotional stability. <laughs> khaki Godzilla really stuck out to me. I was like, ooh, that's a reference. Apparently, though, also, um, Godzilla wasn't filmed. Or no, I'm sorry. 
Godzilla. I was going to ask that, actually. Yes, apparently Godzilla was not shown in the United States until much later, uh, like in 1956, I'm pretty I mean, sure. Um, so that was, that's, that's a bit of a continuity error, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a good reference. And we can just say, because Hawkeye is living so close to Japan, maybe he's seen uh, Gojira, <laughs> the original version of that film. We don't know. You know perhaps maybe it, they're in. Uh, they're in. Where are they all the time? Korea. No, no. Where do they go? <laughs> yes, they're in Korea. Good job, Ethan. <laughs> sure in no. Tokyo? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they go to Tokyo, right, all the time for like R and R. Yeah, they go to Tokyo yeah, so maybe. all the time. So maybe there's a chance. It's there's a definitely chance. a possibility. So Vanessa, do you have any trivia for us in this episode? Yes, I do. So I know that we talked a little bit about uh, the persecution of Jewish people during the Red Scare. Yes. I wanted to include some information about that, um, like the trial of the Rosenbergs and some other more notable persecutions of Jewish people by McCarthy and others um, during this period. So I'm going to link some sources in the description. Uh, I don't have an mass amount of time to go into all the persecutions of jewish people um mm -hmm. but that being said i think that it's really important and people should uh read it if they're interested yes uh check that out in the description but moving on from that i do have some trivia about alan fudge who played captain chandler in today's episode his last name is fudge that's incredible yes. yeah i know alan fudge was born in wichita kansas in 1947 and grew up in tucson arizona he first began acting as a child in the Tucson Little Theater and other children's theaters in Tucson. Excellent. Lifelong performer. Yeah. Fudge went to the University of Arizona and won the university's Best Actor Award two years in a row. Ooh. Fudge guest starred in several popular TV shows, including Kojak, Columbo, Charlie's Angels, Baywatch, and The Office. The Office? Wow, that's a broad-ranging career. Yeah. And he's actually probably best known for his recurring role in the show Seventh Heaven. Do you remember that show? I remember the title and it being boring. I remember not <laughs> liking it. I was <laughs> not allowed to watch that show. You were not allowed to watch Seventh Heaven? I think you're the only one in the world. Yeah, I was, I was forced to turn it off every single time it came on. Wow. I mean... It seemed boring, so I think you, you walked out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think that we were missing anything in my household by not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Fudge also appeared in several movies. Most notably to me is uh, he played a small part in Edward Scissorhands. Okay, okay. Fudge also had an extensive theater career in the 1960s, including Hamlet, and he also appeared in the original cast of War and Peace in 1967. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always think it's interesting when actors ha also have a really extensive theater career, too. Yeah, especially for, like, such big titles like War and Peace. I honestly didn't know there was a play version of War and Peace. I thought it was just that uh, great comic musical. <laughs> no, no, there, there is a, a, a real play about it. And unfortunately, Fudge passed away on October 10th, 2011 from lung cancer. Mm, that's unfortunate, uh, but good career. Yeah, definitely. And not to end on too sad of a note, I do have some more trivia about the writing of this episode. Ooh, I'm interested. I love trivia on writing. So this episode was nominated for the 1977. Uh, how do I say this? 1977. We're, we're later than I thought we were. Yeah, actually, I, I always just think that we're in 1975 forever. But the yeah, show I thought it was is... 1975. <laughs> No, yeah, no, we're definitely not in 1975 because the show started in what, 72, 71? Yeah, 72, I think. And then yeah. uh, we've officially passed Star Wars, I believe. That's crazy. Wow. The, the people in this show potentially have seen Star Wars. Alan Alda has spent <laughs> a, an evening at the theater seeing Darth Vader. That's crazy. <laughs> probably, honestly, probably. Okay, I'm going to try it one more time. So this episode was nominated for the 1977 Humanitas Prize, which is an award given to writers of American television and films whose work explores the human condition in a meaningful way. Okay. So the writer of this episode, Bert Perlutsky, was nominated for the award for this episode in 1977, but actually 
was beat out by another episode of MASH from this season called The Interview, written by Larry Gelbart. Whoa, that's crazy. Oh, I love uh, when when you lose to yourself, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it, it's honestly so crazy because I didn't know that this prize was a thing. Um, so I was looking at the past winners and MASH won so many times, was nominated and won for so many years. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, and other notable shows were like Frasier, House, and ER, and all these shows that I really like. I I didn't even know that this prize was a thing. So I'm really glad that it was brought to my attention. Now I'm going to be paying very close attention. Yes, uh, let us know what future episodes perhaps wins this uh, prestigious award. Yeah, definitely. So, Ethan, what was your martini rating for this episode? Ooh, this is a uh, this is a tough one. I mean, they're all tough ones at this point because they're all really good, and I want to refrain myself from giving like five stars to every episode. But I think this episode is very, very good. So I think maybe a four to a four point five martini rating. I don't know if it's at that four point five, but it's like really close. Like I don't know what this episode could have done differently to be better, but like. I, I got that feeling in me. You know what I mean? Four to a 4.5. I am going to go higher than you. I gave this episode a five out of five because wow. I, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I thought that the commentary was perfect. I thought that the entire cast was utilized. Um, It just really hit every Ooh. mark for me. And we haven't been, well, I say that, but we have actually gotten a, quite a bit of commentary episodes in this season so far. but. This was the first, I feel like, really big one where it was kind of centered around a piece of commentary that the writers wanted to put out there into the world. So, yeah, this really did it for me. See, I think what's holding back the five out of five for me is that, like, there was one or two, like, really good jokes thrown in there. I would have been, like, five out of five. But this episode is pretty dry other than a few solid Sydney Freeman lines. Um, but I do hear what you're saying. Like, I think this is a, a very good example of the commentary side of match. This is like a good, serious episode. I just wish there was like a, a hair more comedy. Yeah, I definitely get that. It was played very serious, but that that just wasn't enough of a detriment to me, I feel, um, to not give it a five out of five. Respect, respect. <laughs> So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Farabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description as always. And join us next week for season four, episode 11, Dear Peggy. But until then, dress as Moses and part the sea of Japan. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. You are just so dark. I'm I can't even the, see you. I'm hang on. I need to turn on my light. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to turn on my light. Yeah, please. <laughs>